When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Jeff Rose Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday buy 10 wings, get 10 wings free. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. is upon us, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Toward the bottom of the hour, we'll catch up with Eric Heft, color analyst for both Iowa State football and in season here with us, uh, Iowa State men's basketball. He's in Morgantown for Iowa State and West Virginia tonight. Eric Heft is coming up right now with Vinny Iyer, our friend from the Sporting News, the Northwestern grad, a three-time Jeopardy champion, and wrote one of the first articles that really made a case that this is going to be a terrific matchup despite what you were hearing. And after the cha- the championship games were determined, of course, we not we, because we liked it from the get-go, but there were certainly a lot of folks poo-pooing it. Vinny, you weren't one of them. I read your piece. It's over a week ago now, but I thought it was poignant then, and uh, still remains here today i think it's going to be a good jo- uh, game Vinny Iyer. how are you i'm doing well and uh how can we not think it's a good game based on how these playoffs have gone i mean right you still need to think it's not going to be a final great ending to the season so not maybe the ending everyone expected people were looking at bigger marquee teams but man these are marquee teams to their fan bases for sure especially the bengals fans have been star for this so you know they're excited you know the rams the collective team that have been working for this for a while with sean mcveigh and all the moves they've made they've been excited about this so it should be just sit back and enjoy this one two quarterbacks with different stories one a rising star that may be just getting started while matthew stafford may be running out of chances here in in his first super bowl so we get two weeks to get to the Super Bowl. Seemingly every single year now, there is a one year where they went back. But for the most part, this is what we get. And I'm already hating myself because right away, Sunday night, the point spread came out. I bet on the Bengals. And now, the more that I'm digging into this matchup, I love the Rams. And I'm talking myself kind of out of both sides of our, our mouth. Where are you talking right now? Maybe it'll change by the time we get to Sunday. Who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, I like the Bengals. I'm siding with them right now, especially with the four points at this point, because I think mm-hmm. it can be a field goal game for sure. So uh, at least on that side of things, uh, I think they're getting a little undervalued here versus the Rams. The Rams are just signing brighter in the marquee. That's the bottom line. It's Los Angeles. It's all these big-name players. But mm-hmm. when you dive into it in terms of the talent level and stars on both sides, I mean, I think both teams are pretty loaded here. Their strengths are in different places. Their weaknesses are in different places. But I still think it meets somewhere in the middle here where it's going to be a very good contest. 
I'm with you. And, of course, one of the matchups within the matchup that certainly is going to have my full attention, and I know I'm not alone, Chase versus Ramsey. Ramsey might be, I don't know, is he, is he might not be the best corner in the league, but he's certainly in the conversation. Jamar Chase is an up-and-coming star at the receiver position. Boy, LSU, how about Jefferson and Chase on that same team? And, of course, the quarterback that got him the ball, he wasn't bad either. He'll be under center for the Bengals. But how about Chase versus Ramsey? Will they, do you think, that Ramsey's going to follow him all over the field, Vinny? It's going to be difficult because you also have to worry about T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins, I thought, looked like, before they even thought about drafting Jamar Chase, I thought T. Higgins, they were set at wide receiver, at least if they went in the offensive tackle route. But I said, okay, go get Chase, too. Because we know that it's important to have two elite targets here. I just don't think Higgins gets enough credit for what he does. I mean, he is very consistent. There's a lot of uh, buzz around the number two on the other side because he's Odo Beckham Jr., but he's a guy that just produces. I think he's the guy that came through most for them in the championship game against the Chiefs. He had the favorable coverage. What I like about both of these receivers, you can move them around. You're not going to get them stuck in one matchup. You can go in the slot with either one of those guys. They like Tyler Boyd there, but Higgins and Chase have been good there they like the short passes as well they can stretch the field but you can also throw them balls near the line of scrimmage and they can make things happen after the catch so i like the versatility i think you just can't say one guy can take away these guys and that's the bottom line is that's what the rams have struggled with a little bit if teams can get going and protect their quarterback a little bit and get into the flow you can exploit their other secondary members for sure i mean darius williams is not a bad second corner but you get the safety, it's pretty thin there. So that's where you have to take, attack the Rams away from Ramsey as much as possible. The key is knowing where he is at any given time. Well, another key is something that you mentioned, and got to give him time. That offensive line, much maligned for mm-hmm. Cincinnati this year. It's been a struggle there. Not only that, Burrow, he's also been known to hold the ball an extra beat longer, which doesn't help out. They got Aaron Donald, and they got Leonard Floyd, and you got some dudes up front that are going to be breaking it down. What's the game plan for Cincinnati? How do they combat this great defensive line for the Rams and give Burrow enough protection to find those great receivers? I think there's one key in this, and I think he's been underrated all season long with what he's done. And He's had a big breakout season as Joe Mixon. This mm-hmm. guy, I think he's been a bit undervalued as a workhorse. Part of it is he hasn't been completely able to stay healthy in some years, and but this year it was completely durable. Uh, he just kind of come into his own. I don't think he was the best pass catcher when he came to the league, but he's really good in that capacity and really reliable. So you got to worry about him coming out of the backfield and having an impact that way. But then he can straight up pound him between the tackles. He's also a very good power back. So very agile, but also just can put his head down and grind and get those big yards. So this is something that people are totally not thinking about. He is the best running back in this game by far. Mm-hmm. There's some questions about Cam Akers how healthy he is and how he can hold him to the ball when the Rams get too impatient with the running game. But the Bengals have a pretty good back that they can turn to in a versatile role here. So best way to sometimes subdue the pass rush, run the ball, wear those guys down a little bit, then set up the pass attempts 
and big plays that come later in the game. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News is our guest. Vinny, uh, any information on either of the two tight ends, both of whom are hurt and both of them mean a lot to the game plan? Uzama, who's really coming into his own uh, with Cincinnati, and Higby's, uh, I, I think, also an underrated weapon. What's the likelihood either of those play? What are you hearing there, uh, Vinny? Yeah, Uzama looked like he had a tougher injury there. They might be careful with these guys. The Rams were able to pivot to Kendall Blanton, who had some plays there. Drew Sample would be the backup there. He's had some moments, too. Remember, Uzama went down for the season last year early as well. Uh, so they've been able to adjust with him. He's still a key, reliable guy. He's got good hands there. So what you might see is these teams use more four receiver sets here. They've got some guys on the depth chart that can make some plays there and kind of change up the matchup a little bit. So that's what we'll be watching here. I think the Rams can recover and pretty much make a seamless transition at tight end. Sample is more of a blocker type, but yeah, if they need him in that capacity, he can deliver, and I think that's what I would expect. And working in the middle of the field, shorter and immediate routes are going to be key in this game regardless of who's out there. Well, away from the game, of course, a big storyline continues to brew in the NFL, and that is Brian Flores and his class action lawsuit against the NFL Texans. He sound to be a finalist. The job goes to it's a head scratcher, Lovey Smith, and you're exactly right, a head scratcher there, Ken. It, Vinny, when you look at this and all the parameters that go into it, fill us in on where we are right now and where you are as you look at this in the league that you cover. Yeah, it's all over the place, right? I mean, look at the last two hires. It's kind of interesting that, well, throwing aside Dennis Allen, but looking at the last two, you have uh, Mike McDaniel, who's biracial, and he was hired there by the Dolphins, and then, which is a strange twist here to go from Brian Flores and then give a minority candidate a chance. And then Lovey Smith, we didn't see it coming, but it also doesn't make a lot of sense because you already had a minority coach there, I think, who was doing really well, David Culley. Right. So I don't know what you get from that spot. So I, I, I think it's more these organizations that clueless more than anything else. We have to keep that in mind. Is that good companies hire good people, bad companies and bad organizations don't, and they don't, and they don't know exactly what they're doing. And you can say, you could say Minnesota is the organization we trust. Kevin O'Connell all of a sudden looks like we're really going to hire because the Vikings have had a pretty steady front office, and I know they're changing it up this year, but still you trust them to make the right decisions up front. So part of that is reminding ourselves of that, and then you look at the Raiders. We always are going to question how is this combination going to work from the Patriots, including Josh McDaniels, but we just don't trust the Raiders as much. So that comes with the territory here. So, we're always more skeptical of the teams that just don't have a lot of success in general. Uh, and the other uh, aspect of that story, the other tentacle, uh, and it's kind of quieted down this week. I anticipate that we haven't heard the end of, you know, the assertion from Flores that Ross was offering him six figures to throw a game to 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 lose a football game, which uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you, Vinny, it cuts right at the integrity. Uh, who's going to look into this story? The NFL is not going to do an internal investigation, are they? I've heard that that is actually being floated around out there. They have to let others uh, into this and you know actually investigate whether this was done because this is a massive black eye potentially against the league. Is this a story that you think will pop back up after Sunday? Definitely. I mean, you also you can't. This is where you get into this sticky situation with making gambling a widespread part of your league, right? I mean, that's the thing. 
that this is the fear. Is there something like this going on that gambling responsibly is an act that you can do well? But if there's an owner out there trying to push his team to lose games, I mean, you know what happened to Pete Rose. I mean, he has just been totally said that you're never going to step and do anything in baseball ever again. I mean, he's seen way worse than any of the steroid guys, even though they're also not the Hall of Fame. So gambling and changing the integrity of the game is the worst thing at this point because it is now, you can't argue with the fact that gambling is part and parcel of the leagues. And that this is why these games have to be on the up and up, and there can't be shady stuff going on with the people that are in the most power with all their business interests as well. Uh, and of course, we still remember the Black Sox scandal, right? And, and when it happened, I mean, or I'm, I think I'm close. 1919 seems to ring a bell. You're right. It, gambling stories like Pete Rose, like the like the Black Sox scandal, uh, th- these things don't go away. Vinny, um, with the with the coaching, the coaching matchup in particular, McVeigh's been there. He um, shouldered a lot of blame for his loss uh, against the Patriots. Does he have a significant edge over Zach Taylor for the simple fact that he's been there? Because I think Zach Taylor's a brilliant mind. I really do. I'm glad that they gave him time, and it's certain, and they seemingly have to be glad that they did as well with the results that they got this year. But does McVay have an edge because he's been there, done that, even even though it didn't go his way? I think there's some edge, but remember Zach Taylor was on that staff too, so he's been sure. there, yep. and he's been through the week of preparation, so... I think experience is one of the most overrated things when it comes to the Super Bowl because there's different levels of experience, right? What is your most recent winning experience? Remember Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had a pretty big winning experience just a couple years ago at a high level of competition. So you can't discount that. It's a different championship. Sure, it's not playing the Super Bowl, but it's as big as it gets in football without being the Super Bowl. So you can't discount all that stuff as well. So, again, sometimes – you put pressure on yourself if you're supposed to be certain team and these veterans of the Rams maybe pressing, they all desperately want a Super Bowl ring. Is that going to come into factors, become a factor as well? So these are all these things you got to think about. But again, in the end, it's just in the right moments, do you execute and you have the confidence to do so? I think both teams do. They've already been proving that all throughout the playoffs for these close games. Uh, last football question for you, and uh, is the three-time Jeopardy champion. Trent has one for you along those lines. Uh, Vinny, what hire did you like, and what hire are you questioning the most of the head coaches uh, that have uh, got their uh, got their next gig since the season came to an end? Who'd you like, who don't you understand? Well, I definitely uh, gave it away a little bit, but I did like what the mm-hmm. Vikings did with uh, O'Connell. I just like, I mean, what do you... What else do you need? The Super Bowl tells you uh, this is a good hire <laughs> based on who's coaching in the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. we've made the there's the old joke about if you're somewhat associated or cross paths with Sean McVay, right. you should be hired by an NFL team. But that's not a joke anymore. When you have McVay back in the Super Bowl, you got uh, Brandon Staley having some success. Not quite as Zach Taylor, but you figure they have a bright future there in the other Los Angeles. So. There's all kinds of things that you think about, but yeah, you want some track record of success from a particular tree. You're starting to see that with the Kyle Shanahan tree as well, which kind of there's a crossover between the McVay-Shanahan tree that's happened here as well. So Matt, you look at Matt LaFleur, you go down the line. Uh, there's just so many guys from this. I think Robert Sala has a bright future as well. So I, you want to go with where the league is going. You don't want to go where they league is going backward and that's where i feel like the raiders i don't 
understand Josh McDaniels at this time, why he's the right hire after more than a decade off from being the Broncos head coach. And Lovey Smith, I like the guy. He's a very good guy, but it's, it's just strange to go get rid of your offensive guys so quickly, but keep your defensive coordinator and hire him. It's it just more, again, a sign that Houston doesn't quite know what it's doing. And I just feel bad for some people when the organization's not going to help them win, and then that coach is going to be the scapegoat at some point. Let you go with this, Vinny. You're a Jeopardy champion. We just saw one of the most epic runs with Amy Schneider, who had a 40-game winning streak Holy going mackerel. before she finally fell. We've seen more and more of this, though. As the game has evolved to people, you get comfortable up there. You know it well. You find out the clicker, the timing, everything, and it's maybe a bit easier to run off those winning streaks. You played an era where after five days you had to retire. Five days was the max. I saw a former champion said it's time to go back to that. Do you agree with that assessment? And the Amy Schneiders of the world and the Amadeos and some of the great ones that we've seen in the past, is that ultimately good for what we watch Jeopardy for? Well, why it's not good here, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate, is that some of the other players were just atrocious. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. hold back. Yeah. But, like, it was just bad. Like, you, you can't have that much disparity, right? <laughs> I mean, you've got three contestants out there, but some are, like, struggling to figure out the buzzer. They're like minus 500. Mm-hmm. And we have some toss-up questions or layup questions that you just think that, okay, a lot of people should know this, whether they're sports and entertainment. They just whiff. And I think Amy Schneider sometimes herself just miss someone's like, what? You didn't know that one? So it, it is sometimes, I think it's the level of competition. There are just less people that can win a particular round of Jeopardy at this point. And, it, and it's tough to see it sometimes. And the way that the, the parody does exist is basically final Jeopardy. I mean, you have a lot of people with leads, but it's not quite big enough lead to put it away. One question trips them up, and then they're gone. So that's really the only great equalizer. But if the contestants are so bad in relation to the champion, then they're not going to even make final Jeopardy a factor. So it is a complicated game. It's been a very different without Alex Trebek. I'm not sure that between Ken Jennings and uh, Maya Bialik, that kind of toggling is working as well. So they got some question marks, but I tune in for good competition, just like I do for the NFL. Bring some parity back to Jeopardy. He's a three-time Jeopardy champion. He's been writing sports, in particular football, at the Sporting News for over 20 years. Vinny Iyer joins us. Vinny, thankful as always. We will uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead. Enjoy the week, Vinny Iyer. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Vinny Iyer uh, joining us. Um, so you, I know you're into it. You and your uh, wife watch it faithfully. Every night. Yeah. I, and the thing that I really enjoyed about Amy is she played the traditional way. Some of these newer champions that we've had that run off the ridiculous streak. Remember the James Householder, the yeah. Vegas guy? He's, the, he's sports better. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would start at the bottom, start at the $1,000 category or 2000 double, work his way up, jumping around, trying to find the daily doubles, and we played it the traditional way. And there's something about that that I really enjoyed. She was made it easier for me to root for. But when I read that last week about maybe it's time to go back to the five-timer, it makes sense. You get comfortable. You're doing it every – you come in, you take five episodes, and you know the buzzer, you know the timing. Yeah. It does give you a pretty big advantage. I would think. But here's the reason it won't happen. TV numbers, when they get these long-time win streaks, go through the roof. Do they really? Yeah. And because of that – 
because, well, are they going to lose today? you got to turn right. in to find out. And as right. that builds, it just continues to go on and on and on. So you know, I mean, it's a bottom line business. Though it's a great game show, still a TV show. It is. And it's, it's about, about money. money. Absolutely. Speaking of ratings, have you seen the Pro Bowl ratings? I haven't. I haven't either. It's like I know they won, yeah. which is why the game is on. I didn't watch it play. This is the first reference we've made to it. I'm proud of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I am too. Uh, that we didn't even touch on it. I was thinking about that yesterday as I was heading to a meeting. I'm like, <laughs> we didn't even mention it. Nor Good job be. out of us. Didn't see a play. It's, it's, it's a, it's I watched a two plays. Did you watch two plays? It was hideous. It's awful. Yeah. Um, but I'm anxious to see the ratings because as bad as it was, it, it'll, it'll win the time slot. It will. I it's watched football. golf. I watched Olympics. Yeah. I watched... Five minutes of hockey. Mm-hmm. I was all over the place in college hoops that was going on. It was one of those weird, weird Sundays. But the Pro Bowl, you got two plays. That was enough. Uh, we'll take our time out. So we, before we do that, though, we've got another keyword. Uh, go to kxno.com. It's time for that $1,000 slam dunk. kxno.com. And once you get there, enter the 11 o'clock keyword is? Green. Green at kxno.com. Your chance to win $1,000 green at kxno.com. Eric Keff joins us live from Morgantown. It's Iowa State. It's West Virginia. It's down the dial here tonight. 100.3 the bus, 530 with the pregame. Game tips at 6. Television is... Well, it's not on television. It's on ESPN+, Plus, but we know it's on the radio on 100.3 The Bus. Eric Heff joins us next. Miller and Condon back with that on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 Center of Iowa. Hi, I'm Mike Palm, Vice President of Circa and proud graduate of Dubuque Wallard. Circa Sports is excited to be offering a unique way to bet on the big game through our Circa Squares. We've all played in some version of big game squares before. You pay $25, $50, $100, or even $500 per square and hope to draw good numbers. With Circa Sports Squares, you get to pick your own numbers and decide on your own price. Download the Circa Sports app at the App Store or Google Plus in Iowa and bet the big game from wherever you are watching. One for podcasting. Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. Guys, you need to get that vasectomy, and you know what's right around the corner. It's March. It's college hoops in the biggest way. Wall-to-wall basketball for four straight days. And how great would it be sitting in that recliner without anything on the to-do list? Get that vasectomy scheduled right now with the Urology Center of Iowa. Call them at 515 400 400 3550 or schedule it online at iowaurocom Your recliner hoops after your vasectomy with the urology. In Iowa, gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Market homeowners have two questions. What's the best time to rent out my home? And what's the best way to do it? The best time is when you're moving, relocating, combining households, inheriting a house, or you just don't want to pay a mortgage anymore. The best way to rent? Hire Renters Warehouse. Whether you have one home or a property portfolio, Renters Warehouse does the work so you don't have to. They perfectly price your property so you don't have to. They find great tenants in just 17 days on average so you don't have to. And for a small, flat, monthly fee. Their professional landlords manage your property 24-7 so you don't have to. Collect the rent? You don't have to. Maintenance, inspections, and tax paperwork? You don't have to. There's no upfront fees, no binding contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Find out what your home will rent for by calling 515-528-4429 or go to renterswarehouse.com. That's renterswarehouse.com. Renters Warehouse, Des Moines. You can't buy happiness. And Andy sent you. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent.
Moore and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Take you until noon. Circus Sports Sponsors, Trent's Play of the Day. That coming up in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. Let's get to our friend Eric Heft, color analyst. Boy's been doing it a long time. Uh, for Iowa State, Morgantown is the scene tonight. It's West Virginia. It's Iowa State. It's Big 12 basketball in ESPN+. Plus. But more importantly, for where we're uh, concerned, down the hall here on 100.3, the bus, the pregame at 5.30, tip just after 6. Eric, Trent, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Eric Heft? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Just enjoying the cold weather here in Morgantown. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get into tonight's game, obviously you've heard the news, the sad passing of uh, Mac McCausland, who I'm, I'm certain you uh, you know, shared a, a table, different ends of it, admittedly, uh, over, over the years, maybe played in charity golf events, had a cocktail or two. <laughs> uh, your, uh, your remembrances uh, of, of Mac McCausland, who passed away far too young yesterday, uh, over the weekend. You know, I didn't know him that well, uh, but I, I I'd always appreciated the job that he did, you know, for a guy who, who and, and not unlike myself, you get to do something with basketball, the sport that you love. You do it for the school that you love. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the makings of a great life. And, and I always appreciated his ability to, to communicate very well uh, when he was on the telecast. Uh, I thought he was a very knowledgeable guy and, you know, uh, a, a good guy. I just didn't know him that well. You know, it's uh, it's interesting as you go through this walk, and you basketball is your background. You've done football now for a number of years, still doing the radio side of things, breaking it down. And I think so many people, you're used to watching TV, but a radio broadcast, how it's different. And have you ever dabbled in TV outside of kind of the crossovers when you take your guys' voices? Have you done any TV, or has it been mostly all radio for you during your career? Yeah, pretty much uh, all radio. I mean, I, I do watch a lot of TV, uh, but that doesn't really count, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to give you that one. Well, I mean, it's totally different. You know, sure. TV, the TV guy who's doing the analysis, uh, he can talk during the play-by-play. I mean, because people can see what's going on. In radio, the play-by-play guy has got to be the focal point. Which is fine with me, uh, John. I've really, really only worked with two guys, you know, with mm-hmm. Taylor and John. So I've been incredibly blessed to work with two great pros and great friends. Indeed, they are. Uh, last night, watching basketball, Eric, and maybe this is just last night, and maybe it means nothing. But over the years, as, as you've watched basketball. Last night, officials really let uh, the Duke-Virginia game, they let them yeah. play. Likewise, in the Texas-Kansas game. Is there a well, point, not necessarily, all right, on February the 8th, we're going to let them play. But as the season goes on, do, the, do players seem to get away with more as the season dwindles to its end? Well, sometimes. Although I think the Big 12 has been that way all year. You know, it's it's been the most physical, uh, certainly as physical as I can remember it. Me too. And, you know, and normally... Uh, that doesn't work in Iowa State's favor. This year, you know, I don't think it's hurt Iowa State because we've adopted uh, more of a physical style. That's certainly been our intent, and so it hasn't hurt us. But if you go back to what the NCAA said a couple years ago, freedom of movement, we're going to let these guys go, uh, that's out the window. Yeah. I do think some leagues are called different. Even the same officials who may work Big 12 and other conferences, I think when they're in the Big 12, it's like, you know what, I'm going to – I'm only allowed to blow the whistle about five times, and i got to pick my spots. <laughs> well, we're going to see a physical one you'd anticipate tonight, West Virginia. You know, Huggy Bear style, they're going to be clutching and grabbing and pressing, going after 
them uh, defensively on that end. We know what Iowa State can be on the defensive end of the floor. What do you anticipate what we're going to see tonight outside of a physical basketball game? Well, I think that is the number one thing. And I, and I think it's a, two teams that have really, especially lately, have struggled to score. We don't know. I don't know about Taz Sherman, whether he's going to play tonight. I'm assuming he will mm-hmm. after missing uh, the game you know, with concussion protocol. You know, against Texas Tech, but he's a, he's a good scorer. But it's not a typical West Virginia team, you know. They're near the bottom in the league in rebounding, uh, and while they're aggressive on defense, it's not the same kind of defense we saw when they had Javon Carter and mm. some of those other guys. Uh, but they're very good. I think the big thing for Iowa State, uh, West Virginia turns the ball over, and Iowa State can be in that same mode. I think either one of these teams can get you know five buckets or so on live ball turnovers, I think that could be enough to, to really sway the game. So I think it's going to be imperative for Iowa State to take care of the basketball. If you're going to turn it over, throw it in the third row. Don't throw yeah. it to somebody who can go down and dunk it. What is it about playing in Morgantown, Eric? Because we've seen good Iowa State teams. We've seen good Kansas teams. It's a tough place to win a basketball game, regardless of what kind of roster uh, Huggins has. You mentioned Carter. My God, he had a hell of a career. What a player he was. But what is it about Morgantown that makes it difficult to play regardless if your team is one of the best teams you've had in a while or a team that's kind of struggling to find their place. It's tough to win there. Well, it is tough, and I think a lot of it, I mean, they always have good crowds. But number one, they got a guy, a coach, who's who's probably going to be, should be already in the yes, Hall of Fame. Should. I mean, he's the you know, fourth winningest coach of all time in Division One. Uh, you know, he gets his guys to buy in. You know, when you play great defense and the crowd really is, is fed by that great defense and it returns the favor to really fire up the team, it can be really tough to score here for sure. Uh, but And they've had good players. You know, you look at this non-typical West Virginia team, kind of what happened to Steve Prohm a few years ago when Halliburton, you know, Horton Tucker, mm-hmm. you know, Wigginton were all gone early. You know, they lost Oscar Shibway. Miles McBride, who's with the Knicks, and Derek Culver. I mean, that's three really good players that certainly would change the whole outlook of this team. Uh, but as far as being hard to win here, I mean, it's hard to win anywhere. I mean, come on. Iowa State lost 24 consecutive conference road games right. before winning at Oklahoma State. So I don't know that I can just pick out one place that's hard to win in this league. Of course, the big question with this team of Iowa State is, how do you jumpstart that offense? I know, Eric, if you knew the answer, you already would have told Otson we'd be off and running, they'd be scoring 80 a game. Not the case. So what else can be done? I'm sure that Otzelberger has tried most everything. What else is oh. left on the table? Uh, you know, I wish I knew the answer to that. You're right. I, I, I don't have the answer. I think the biggest thing, though, Iowa State has played really solid games, competitive games in the first half of every road game in the Big 12 and then had troubles in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if that defense can create a little bit of offense to, early in the second half to kind of get Iowa State going again, because at some point, you know, not being able to score affects your defense. And I, I think while that had not happened to Iowa State over the first, you know, uh, two-thirds of the games they've played, it's starting to creep in a little bit. You know, when you can't score, and then they hit a shot, or they bank in a three, and you get that, oh, woe is me kind of thing going. Uh you know, I, I just think they've got to have the defense create some offense for them. And then on offense, I think the biggest thing, and maybe because they expend so much energy on off, on defense, but they've got to continue to cut hard. Uh, and some games, you know, second half, they just really haven't been as aggressive in terms of running their offense, going from one one action into the next, 
kind of seamlessly, which is how it's designed. But if you're not moving quickly, it's a lot easier to guard. And I think they have to really be uh, make sure they save some energy to really run that offense at a, at a much better pace. Yeah, we saw that for the first time, I think, in the Oklahoma game, right? The final few minutes of that, and of course the Texas game, uh, the game over the weekend seemingly got away from him. One of those guys we thought would be, you know, would, would really help on an offense, and he's had his nights, don't get me wrong, as Caleb Grill, but you, you mentioned defense a minute ago. Eric, I didn't, didn't realize he's as good defensively as he's become, and maybe this hasn't been the case all year long, but he's really committed when he's on the floor uh, to his defensive responsibilities, and that's not something I remember about him. Uh, it, any of his previous stops, including Iowa State. Grill uh, and his prowess on defense as far as getting after guys and really getting into them. You know, and I think he does a great job. I don't know. I, I don't see the deflection numbers, but I think he's right up there on the team. Would have to be certainly in the last, in the Big 12 part of the season, in, in deflections. I mean, he's always getting his hand in there. He's very aggressive. Uh, you know, and I think at that position where you have Kausher and Grill, I mean, that's probably Iowa State's best defensive position Look between those two guys because you don't really have – I think Gabe is one of the premier perimeter defenders in the Big 12 for sure. And I think you don't lose anything really when Caleb comes in. So that's, that has been a real plus. Indeed it has. Eric Heft uh, has the call tonight. John Walters and Eric. Pre-game is at 5.30. Game tips at 6 o'clock on 100.3 okay. The Bus. Stop right there. Okay, what Stop did they right do there. wrong? Pre-game's at 5. Pre-game's at 5. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Pre-game at 5. Okay, there you go. Ball tips just after 6. <laughs> 3, 2, 1. Start again. <laughs> yeah. Eric, thank you, my friend. Uh, good to catch up oh. with you. All right. Always always a lot of fun, guys. Thank you. Eric Heff joining us here. Again, pre-game is at 5 with the game tipping at 6. Good stuff out of Eric Heft. Well, the schedule... Uh, it does soften up. There's, there's no more Kansas. There's right. no more Texas Tech. They've got Baylor one more time. But they've got K-State twice. They've got uh, two with West Virginia, TCU, Oklahoma sprinkled in. Who am I missing? Uh, Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, at home. At home. Right. That's the final home game of the year? It is. Yep. March 2nd. March the 2nd. And then they will finish up in Waco. Well, so that's how many left? One, eight? Eight left. Four and four? I guess them do seven and eleven. Four and four gets them to seven eleven. Boy, you have to get four of these. At minimum. At minimum. Even with the quadrant run one victories mm-hmm. that you have, there's and I know conference record is not on your team sheet that the committee looks, but they know. Come on. Yeah. These guys are locked in and ladies for days on end. And they're not gonna know. This team was seven and eleven in their conference. We've seen teams that have been eight and the eight and ten that have got in. In fact, I think it was two thousand seventeen, if I remember correctly. Four teams that had losing conference and records. I'm going to say in that, that you did because you've got a really good memory on you. <laughs> well, it was one of those years, though, that the bubble was bad. Bubble's bad this year too. Uh-huh. It's really bad. Minnesota is still considered a bubble team. <laughs> this West Virginia team that has lost seven straight games is still on the bubble. I guess that gives hope for Iowa State. Even if you don't, yeah, you win a lot. You if you go six and two, great. But if you're seven and eleven. I still think they're going to be okay to get in. Well, we'll have our bracketologist, Shelby Mass, tomorrow. He's the bracketologist for Gannett, bracketwag.com. Most of the bracketologists today have Iowa State on the nine line. Mm-hmm. So they get hot, maybe move to a six. got to get past that eight for the seven. Or conversely, if, it, if they do sneak in, last team in, maybe they can... You know, they're 11 and they get that 6-11 matchup. I think that's ideal. UCLA did it. Yes. VCU did it. Right. Got to a Final Four from it's that spot. It's a perfect spot from there. 
All right, we'll come back. Uh, speaking of perfect, that's what Trent was yesterday. He was 4-0 and with his circa play of the day. Do you fade? Can Condon keep it up? We'll find out. His play of the day sponsored by Circa Sports. It's next on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. We've been waiting for since September is finally here. You know, I agree with you. I haven't been waiting for this Nor one. Nor have I. It means it's coming to an end. Right. But you know what? Here's a great thing. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, their official sports betting partner, Super Bowl 56, giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. All you have to do, bet $5 or more, get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not in a new customer. Us existing customers can still get in on the action with those Super Bowl 56 props. DraftKings has a wide variety uh, of props on the big game. You can take your shot at some of these props about a non-quarterback throwing a touchdown pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, so much more. What you want to do right now is get out your phone and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code KXNO and you'll get 56 to 1 odds on either team by betting $5 or more and getting 280 in free bets if they win. Again, promo code KXNO at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 1-800-N.com. Hi, I'm Mike Palm, Vice President of Circa and proud graduate of Dubuque Wallard. Circa Sports is excited to be offering a unique way to bet on the big game through our Circa Squares. We've all played in some version of big game squares before. You pay $25, $50, $100, or even $500 per square and hope to draw good numbers. With Circa Sports Squares, you get to pick your own numbers and decide on your own price. Download the Circa Sports app at the App Store or Google Plus in Iowa and bet the big game from wherever you are watching. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day, presented by Circa Sports Iowa. Hi, Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes here on a Tuesday. By the way, congratulations in order to Mike Palm. Him and his wife uh, had a baby girl yesterday. Yes. How about so? If Mike Palm was a football player and he was on Sunday Night Football and he was being introduced <laughs> as the star, one of a starter, he'd say Dubuque Waller, not Notre Dame, apparently. Well, it sounds that. Well, I think he knows that this commercial is playing in Iowa ah, and not Indiana. I got you. So he went with the Dubuque Waller route with that one. Mike Palm, proud graduate of Dubuque Waller, also proud graduate of Notre Dame. A couple of them. Indeed. All right, Trent, Circus Sports sponsors your play of the day. You were 4 and 0 yesterday. Are you worried you're peaking too early no, for no, Super Bowl no, week? I mean, no, 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 no. We we've got things take them while you in. can grab them, or we know ultimately college basketball. That's where my bread is buttered. That's true. That is what we've talked in the past about the sheer volume of college basketball <laughs> that I bet thousands of thousands since I started tracking over at Action Network, and I love it. I got way too many plays again tonight. We tried to hit it, but let's give up four. All right, four fire away. yesterday. We're gonna start here. Number one's going down tonight. Oh. Auburn will lose tonight oh. at Arkansas. I'm getting two and a half points. I'm going to take them, of course. Give me the Razorbacks, plus two and a half. West Virginia, they're due right. I like the total. I like, yes, I do yeah. think they're due. I, um, what did you say the total is? A buck 29? 129 and a half. Seems high to me. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think I'll dabble in that one. But for my plays here, we're going to go with the ears. Give me West Virginia minus one and a half. Purdue, Illinois. It was a great Is MLK. that the late game? I think it is, right? 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock tip for that one. Illinois is getting six. It almost feels like a trap 
mm-hmm. that it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy the trap this time. Give me the Illini plus the six, and we're going to wrap it up with the team you saw over the weekend, the Cowpokes <laughs> yes. from Wyoming. All right. Utah State starting to play really good basketball. A team we saw earlier this season against Iowa up in South Dakota. Going to grab the two and a half. Wyoming, I think, maybe due for a little bit of a letdown. They've had a couple emotional wins. Back home tonight, it'll be a great environment. The place has been charged up lately up there in Wyoming and Laramie, but I'm going to grab Utah State and the two and a half to wrap it up. All right, yeah, Jeff Settles was on the call on the Sunday night, correct? Yes, has brought mm-hmm. that. That was the uh, brought the curtain down for sports on Sunday. Well, Shelby Mass is going to be with us tomorrow. Cappy's going to be here. Wade Looking Bill, likewise, uh, get his memories of because he was uh, that game that you found mm-hmm. the sound from. Uh, Looking Bill started in that game. So we'll uh, talk to Wade on the Hawks and on Mac McCausland. A little more about, on that tomorrow. Travis Dvorak from Wild Rose as well. Well, Murph and Andy are an hour and five minutes away. The Fanatics at three. Iowa Wolves basketball tonight at 6.30. We're Miller and Condon weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.